Ralph and Sue were a delightful change of pace from self-serious caped crusaders and the high anxiety of the unknown. But just because we were enjoying their company didn't mean we weren't about to see some off days for the happy couple. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. All right. More elongated man this time. Uh, We're really stretching it out. We are. Ah, puns. Um, Less satisfied with this batch. Not because it's not good, but I think there's a few... There are several stories in this group that I think are less than stellar because they are just kind of confused. I think there are some that are very much the elongated man fare that we're used to, but I definitely think there are a few that are just like, what is this story? Like, the kid in the costume. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple that are just like, what, what, what is this? What? Why are we doing this? So... We're going to get into it. Um, Joanne, we're probably going to be pretty quick about these because some of them are just fairly low in substantial material, but um, we're going to go quick. There's 12 of them because he is still in in Detective Comics, which is going out once a month, which again, for a character like this, being in every issue of Detective for two years straight, that's nothing to, to scoff at. We've seen other characters disappear in the same amount of time and be less successful like he's he's Mm. been around longer than green arrows individual series and he got parachuted in as as part of the uh as part of julia schwartz taking this over when things were bad like he got dropped in and has Mm -hmm. stayed in during something that did not have momentum yes and his what I also appreciate about his series is he is constantly being paired with bigger names. Mm-hmm. It gives him credibility in a way that Green Arrow wasn't getting. I think they just assumed Green Arrow would go over because he was Batman and Robin. And I think he suffered from that. Green Arrow works in the Justice League. Speedy works in the Teen Titans. Had they paired Green Arrow and Speedy with Flash and Kid Flash or Batman and Robin occasionally, I think we would have seen some really interesting stories and it would have introduced the character to a larger audience mm-hmm. by showing their coolness. Because I liked the Green Arrow stories. They were they were just as good as the Batman and Robin ones. But also, like, why is Martian Manhunter and why is, is Elongated Man still around? over over that formula now to be fair batman and robin aren't selling as well right now either so maybe it was kind of a question of well we need batman because batman's been around forever and green arrow isn't selling as well just like batman isn't selling as well so rather than get rid of both of them we're going to keep a flagship character and we're going to get rid of the solo series for the one that just proves the, the point that this this formula isn't working anymore and I wonder if that's what happened with Green Arrow versus, like, Ralph and Sue is very much just Hal and, and uh, Carol, except <laughs> less salacious. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if that has to do with the fans growing up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch a different angle on this, actually. Sure. They're, 
They might, they're similar to other characters in some elements, but they're very, the stories are very different than the primary stories of each issue. Like these have a different feel to them and, and especially very different visuals to them than the Batman stories that they're paired with. I think back to like the Martian Manhunter stories felt like they were short version a, a version of the primary stories that stories that they were supporting like fit into an eight page limit or something these just like ralph is a different kind of character there are different visuals going on here and even if fundamentally they're still playing in a similar tonal well maybe not a, a, a similar thematic space but a different tonal space i think i i think you're right i think in terms of the content that are in Detective Comics right now, Elongated Man is a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. He is the, the the sorbet of the book because he's the fun, a little bit less serious, a little bit weird, frankly, wackier character. Because of his stretchiness, there's a little bit more gags involved. It's less serious. Um because there's less technology and the Batman Robin dynamic isn't there. The criminals are a little bit more bumbling. He's got a wife. It's kind of almost like a sitcom in a way, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not, huh? I want to say it's not quite as exaggerated as a sitcom, but it's, it's not, super far from it it's like as exaggerated as a low exaggeration sitcom i guess and this yeah. is a sign of how it's, how long it's been it, since peak sitcom era at least in terms of what i watch but yeah like i, I can't right. pull one it's it's not like you know family matters but it's much more like modern family you know like a little bit more subdued where the things that are happening are like isn't it ridiculous how this is going on versus like catchphrase? Did I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, like it is, I think you're right. Like maybe not, maybe sitcom is the wrong word, but it is a, it is a different feel. I think you're right that the vibe, the themes, the general approach of elongated man stories is different than Batman. And maybe that's why green arrow suffered. It was just more of the same, just shorter. It's just another dude and a young guy beating people up with gadgets and a gimmick. And that could have been what was it. Same thing with Martian Manhunter. It's like, this guy is an alien. He's kind of like Superman, but he's a police detective. What if Superman, like Martian Manhunter stories are just, what if Superman was a detective yeah, instead of a reporter? And instead of being, you know, oh, Clark is so clumsy. What if his alternate ego was a really successful, lo- beloved detective? You know, and that kind of makes him stand out a little bit beyond Batman because he works with the cop. Well, no, at this time they're both working with the cops, but like Martian Manhunter is a cop mm-hmm. and they're much more like the detective stories that are popular at this time because we're kind of still in peak cop comic stuff now that the now that the um, the comics code is going on, like stories about the police being the positive character are very popular. So Martian Manhunter being a cop might work in his benefit but you know as as we digress after going like joanne this will be short um (laughs) bottom line being 
elongated man stories i think you're right they they are they are a palate cleanser in detective comics for a goofy little aside of a guy doing something with wacky powers ostensibly doing exactly what batman is doing he just does it in different locations with different settings and a fun wife and i'm i'm going to commit the sin of extending this a little bit further but it's interesting <laughs> because in the in the full context of the issues, this actually makes it the middle of the range in terms of seriousness because there's, yes, we have the primary story and we have the secondary story of Elongated Man. And then we have the little gag comics that there's like maybe one or two pages of, uh, probably less at this point, but also all the little advertisements in the form of little like mini comic pages, like, You've got uh, like two, roughly two General Mills advertisements, serial advertisements per issue. And they are little like four panel Rocky and Bullwinkle gags. Uh, So you do wind up having that. I hadn't thought about their role as breaking up the pacing potentially in a positive way. But yeah, you kind of already have a palate cleanser to some degree, but it reins it in a little bit. For elongated man, so he's. Actually, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to this later on when we get there because this. I have a thing that uh, <laughs> it, foreshadowing the main thing that I'm interested in that has sort of come to me, but not as wacky as it could be. Not as wacky as General mm. Mills serial comics or it's little mm. ads. <laughs> yeah, he's not plastic man. Uh, yes. Yes, that is the main point. <laughs> ah, great minds think alike. Okay, light. good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad we we have. We got to mention Plaz. I'm glad. No. Um, all right. Yes, Joanne, you can stop tapping your foot. Okay. Um, Detective Comics number three thirty five, January nineteen sixty five. The elongated man uses a kid's costume of his own costume. Uh, while stopping some criminals um, and then shows up after stopping these criminals to the costume party competition that the kid is going to to commend the child for making a very accurate elongated man costume which then makes the crowd vote for the kid with the elongated man costume to to win um what (laughs) yeah like look so my partner's a cosplayer if some asshole showed up and had a costume on that was the only virtue of the costume beyond being well made was it also was so good that the person that like it was used on set when everyone else had other handmade costumes that could that were equally as good the value of it being used by the person that you're costuming as doesn't actually equate to it being a good costume you know, like it's it's a very strange like, like I don't want to be that guy. The elongated man's costume is not that complex. It, yeah, it really isn't an impressive costume. It's just kind of a two tone black and purple onesie with like wrinkly that's really arm it. warmers. It's it's very odd that he has like yeah. I don't know why. Like his forearms have like wrinkled up material on the costume. 
And I don't know if that's because like it's supposed to stretch out as he stretches, so then it looks flush to his eye. It's never I, explained. I, I don't think it. He looks I don't like think he it has happens. an ill-fitting costume. Yeah. Right. I I don't I don't even think it's ill-fitting. I think it's just a weird artist like design choice. I don't get it. It's a weird costume. <laughs> right. So it's not a great costume. There are kids dressed like Flash and Batman here. Those those head lightning bolts must have been hard to make, and Batman's costume has a number of different pieces to it like it's not a simple costume he's got the cape the cowl the bat symbol the belt like i'm not saying the kids shouldn't deserve to win but also this felt like just a very weird thing like it just felt like a very tacked on plot thing for like this child also won a costume competition because he happened to have a costume that ralph also used hey guess what that kid probably doesn't have a costume that's stretchy enough for ralph to use it, it, because he wouldn't know how to do that. It, it's worth noting that the only reason for that this plotline is included is, or it, it has any relevance, is Ralph needs a costume that he can throw on the ground to convince people, oh, he, I don't remember what, he like got blown up or something, but oh, here's the costume on the ground, we, we need to take it back with us, and no, I'm actually here. It's Also, they don't explain how he gets the costume. It's entirely it's just, off screen. And, I I should check yeah. whether I I don't remember if the splash page at the start of this is like relating to this like subplot because it feels extremely like the I came up with a splash page and I have to fit that into the story. Yeah, let me double check. So look at my book that's right here. No, because the splash page is the elongated man punching three guys at once. Which is the big visual gag, and then the next page is a bunch of kids dressed like the Flash, Green Lantern, and Batman laughing at their friend who's dressed like the elongated man. First of all, bullying's bad. Don't make fun of your friend who could only make whatever costume he wanted and or chose the costume that he wanted to because he liked the elongated man. That's no reason to make fun of him. You know, don't be a costume elitist. But also at the same time, like... Yeah, man, Billy, your costume isn't as impressive as these, like, almost full replicas of, like, more impressive costumes. It's like dressing up like Scott Pilgrim and expecting to win a cosplay contest when someone's dressed up like the Master Chief. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to say that your costume isn't film accurate, but also your costume is a long sleeve t-shirt and jeans. Especially if you show up without a sword or anything. Like... Right, like there's there's a level of where it's like, is this impressive or did you just buy the things that you needed here? Yeah. <laughs> now that we've given our really spicy cosplay opinions <laughs> on, uh, on on cosplay judging, um, we're going to move on to Detective Comics number 336, February 1965. The elongated man deals with a trap meant for the Flash that was made by the Mirror Master. Uh, he defeats the goon that is operating the trap. Um, and then Flash kind of explains, like, oh, so I figured you would handle this because you really love a mystery while well, I went and found the actual crime that Mirror Master was conv- committing, and I stopped him. Thanks, bud. You couldn't, you couldn't have spared two seconds to be like, hey, why don't you handle this while I handle the other thing? Kind of a dick move from Flash, in my opinion. Um, but he does take Ralph and Sue out on a date with Iris uh, mm-hmm. to an underground, like, in a cave restaurant, which I thought was kind of cute that we see that hey, the elongated man has friends and is friends with other heroes to show that they have friends and we are establishing in continuity couples relationships. And the bit that I didn't realize at first that I find fascinating in retrospect, 
it's a mini crossover with Flash, not with Batman. So they are maintaining the relationship to at least some degree with Flash because, hey, that that friendship originates with the fact that he is introduced in Flash comics. He was a backup feature for the Flash, etc., etc. But it everything in our experience would say, oh, this should be with Batman showing up. But it isn't. And I'm really glad mm. that I, I have no idea if that's going to continue being the case, that we're going to keep having the link with linkages across books. But I really hope so, because I like it. And Gardner Fox can do that, because Gardner Fox. Yeah. And it works. I mean, especially because it's in Detective yeah. Comics. Mm-hmm. You expect it to be Batman, because that's usually his home. And Flash is in Flash Comics. So it's just very much like, oh, yay. You know, good good for you. It's, it's our favorite guys. Uh Detective Comics, number 337, March 1965. Uh, the police give elongated man a Sioux lookalike police officer uh, to escort him to uh, a shakedown where these killers are trying to assassinate the elongated man. Um, Sue, however, is not in on this plan, and she just sees Ralph with another woman who looks exactly like her and is immediately freaked out and goes on her own investigation to figure out what the fuck is going on. Um I, I like the idea that Sue is smart enough and capable enough to figure this out and Ralph has his own adventure. It's very strange that Ralph did not talk to her about this. The explanation given is that Ralph is like, I know you'd never say no and you'd follow me anyway, regardless of the danger. And I'm like, it is admirable that she would do that, but also he has a point that like maybe you should send in the person who is trained to deal with danger. Not that Sue isn't capable, but also if there's going to be gunfighting, maybe send the trained person who's trained at gunfighting. I don't know. Like, it just felt like a very strange, like, this is an excuse for Sue to be upset about seeing a a woman with Ralph. There are occasional fabricated BS reasons for Sue to get jealous in these that seem completely silly and irrelevant and unnecessary because their relationship is so good 90% of the time to see any sort of turmoil between them is such a weird turnoff for me. Like, I don't want to see any of this crap. I don't want to see them being jealous. I don't want to see any of that nonsense because it doesn't fit with the relationship that they have. This does not fit for a guy who has a wife who pulls extravagant heists for his birthday for a man or for a woman who has a husband who is a superhero who also goes out of his way to make sure that she gets what she wants on vacation. These are two individuals who also care about the other person that they are in a relationship with. And this felt very, well, there has to be some sort of turmoil. They can't be a perfect couple. And it was just, it just feels dumb to me. Like let them be perfect. Let them not have problems. Someone has to be. Someone has to have a healthy relationship in, in the DC universe. Let it be Ralph and Sue. It, it just struck me as, as arbitrary. Uh, Detective Comics number 338, April 1965. A bunch of people try to steal some diamonds on a cruise ship um, that Ralph and Sue are on. And Ralph stops every single attempt to steal the diamonds, which then leads to him finding the person who's actually trying to steal them. But like all these other people are trying to horn in on this guy's heist. The person who's trying to steal the diamonds is the cruise activity director who Sue seems very attracted to because he's an attractive man. And then once Ralph is done solving the problem, he's like, Oh, I'll, I'll 
offer to be the activities director since I just arrested the activities director. <laughs> and then all the women want to talk to Ralph and now Sue's put out. Like, again, it's just like, this is stupid. Like, don't, don't do this. There's no need for these two to be weirdly at odds in their relationship. It's like the recipe says I'm supposed to add this many dashes of uh, marital clash. Yeah. Yeah. Like pers- prescribed marital discord. You know, it's like this. It's just it's so bananas. I don't like it's, it. You know what? Uh, it, oh, oh, I, here's a, uh, a reference of the moment. It's the it's the inverse of the Ken line from the trailer of I thought I'd stay over tonight. Since we're boyfriend and girlfriend, to do what? I don't know. I I think we're I think we're gonna have a little argument tonight. Why? I don't know. We're supposed to. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is what we do. Mandatory marital discourse. You must you must have some sort of struggle because everyone does. Otherwise, how will anyone believe that you have a, a real relationship? It's like people who are like, I don't trust couples that don't fight. What are you talking about? Why not? Maybe they just because they don't fight doesn't mean they don't disagree. It just yeah. means they don't shout at each other. <laughs> like it means they're able to communicate. Like let people have healthy relationships. Don't be weird. Like maybe their conflict resolution tool is just like, or the way that they blow off the stress is just, uh, oh, a thing happened. I'm going to have a mildly like uh, a a sitcommy hand up reaction, and I'm done. That processed my yeah. feeling. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll, we'll uh, find um, it eventually. Honestly, it's probably more that that's what, that's what society tries to script for us. That's the, the script that we have been given mm-hmm. of, oh, you're supposed to have a big reaction and then it's done. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Detective Comics number 339, May 1965. Sue is framed for buying uh, stuff with counterfeit money that she had slipped onto her uh, by a criminal. Um, basically just kind of like put fake money in her pocket and that's what she used to buy something. Ralph goes to investigate the crooks who are also being investigated by a member of the mystery analysts of Gotham, uh, club. And Ralph is introduced to the mystery analysts of Gotham and is given a new somewhat BC plot goal of being admitted to the mystery analysts of Gotham club. Cause he also sees Batman and ba- finds out that Batman is a member. So he's like, Oh, I should be a part of this. Cute, fun, another tie-in that's very sort of like tertiary to the whole story. The whole story goes off without needing the other character. It just kind of introduces the fact that they, hey, remember, they're all in the same universe. And I do kind of love the mystery analysts of Gotham. Like, I kind of love this as like a weird sort of bizarre faction that like is so like zero sum. (laughs) Because they never do anything. I think that's they're that's just a key there. part of it is that they're just they aren't they aren't on the present they're just there every once in a while and the impact that they have is distinctly minimal and this is the this is the same guy who has like repeatedly been like I'm gonna do a thing yeah. I did not manage to do the thing <laughs> it's so funny it's, and isn't, oh isn't this the thing like, that I'm he successfully to... like was admitted for ultimately like didn't they say oh i think you... batman was like yeah i think you've earned your stripes or something yeah like this this gets him in the club <laughs> um but it's just like it's so funny to me that like they're always overshadowed by a superhero mm-hmm. and that is the gimmick with these people is that like <laughs> they're actually very smart 
they just happen to live in a universe where superheroes exist. And they're not <laughs> they, like and all they're their, not shitty about it either. No. Like they're not mad, like they don't get mad at Batman. It's just like you people would actually be really impressive and probably like actual celebrities had Batman and the elongated man not existed. <laughs> it's it's a it's a shame because I, again I like them as characters they're just very fun but it's also so weird to just be like and these people are also here you know like they're 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 like Professor Oak in Pokemon constantly <laughs> trying to make an event constantly trying to have a breakthrough but over like always overshadowed by a small child and a Pikachu like Professor yeah. Oak is like sitting and trying to like analyze Clefairies for like a month. And, like, Ash shows up and, like, solves the mystery of Clefairies and sees one of them evolve. And Oak's like, I've been living in the forest for a year. And you show up with your stupid, overly powerful Pikachu. And suddenly the Clefairy now want to fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's so bananas. Or, like, how many people were searching for the legendary Pokemon and Ash some 12 year old nobody shows up and just does it and they're like come on man be serious like no, this is my life's work dude don't put it in a pokeball <laughs> like, i really like the uh the one tumblr post of uh how, how'd your how'd your pikachu get injured i and it fought ho huh and the reply being this is basically like saying hey i threw a rat at god yeah <laughs> anyway Pokemon aside. There we go. Uh, Detective Comics number 340, June 1965. A cowboy millionaire being robbed uh, buys out an entire theater while he's under like kidnapping house arrest to alert somebody that something is wrong. Uh, and Ralph and Sue, of course, are the last people to buy tickets. So they show up to an empty theater with a laugh track. And Ralph's like, something is weird and ends up going to the guy's. Uh, millionaire mansion and saving him from the crooks uh, and afterwards the the millionaire's like cool i'm gonna let you have a private showing with me and my wife and we're gonna take you out to dinner because you saved my life i kind of love that ralph gets a bunch of stuff copped yeah for he, a guy who lives in his car with his wife he gets a lot of <laughs> gifts you know it's just pleasant it just reinforces here is this guy who's pleasant he's not mysterious doubly so since people know who he is it's just fun yeah they're delightful detective comics number 341 july 1965 uh there's a guy who runs like a local paper in a small town who prints in the paper that his son is the elongated man to draw the elongated man to the town to get him to help them deal with some bad guys who are trying to like take over the town it feels like a really bad gamble to to bet on that the elongated man is going to read a local newspaper and hopefully show up to be like, your kid's not the elongated man I am. Oops, criminals. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot, not a lot of forethought put into that one. Um, that, that smacks of the kid in the costume. Yeah. Something has to happen to just have him be here kind of a thing. Uh, Detective Comics number 342, August 1965. There are a bunch of men also named Ralph Dibney uh, that are used as a distraction uh, during a heist. And they are told that like they're just supposed to be there to be a distraction. But really, Sue 
solves the crime by observing the baron and baroness who are also at the dinner that the crime happens at and sees her sees the uh baroness with uh pearl necklace on and then after the situation happens the pearl necklace is gone and her glass of water is fizzing and sue's like that's very strange like she had water first and now she has champagne and ralph's like baby you're a genius she put the fake pearls and in the water and it like dissolved them and then they're trying to do an insurance scam by saying that her pearls were stolen it bottom line royals are trying to do an insurance scam and sue is the smartest person in the world by being observant great it's fun i was just like this is cool this is like not the best of the stories but it is also a good one it's very much on brand with the kind of stuff that we're seeing and it also highlights sue being observant big fan of that you know Big fan of Sue when she's not a passive observer to Ralph solving a crime. Um, Detective Comics number 343, September 1965. A Ger- This is a long one. A German general who was believed dead um, for the last 20 years after World War II uh, organizes a bunch of criminals in uh, Gotham to operate like an army. And Batman and the Elongated Man and Robin take him down when he goes to South America, you know, where all the other Nazis went. And they they stop him from completing a doomsday device by, by which he was in Gotham to steal a bunch of irradiated material and using his army of criminals as a distraction to distract uh, Batman, Robin, and the Elongated Man. Um, full issue story. This is the entire book of Detective Comics. Or, if I'm not mistaken, it's the whole <laughs> book. Really cool. Elongated Man is kind of not in it as much as I would like. This seems to be more of a Batman story than an yeah. Elongated Man story. Kind of like the Museum of Mixed Up Men. It's interesting. It's it's not my favorite because, like I said, it's more of a Batman story. But I do also like that Ralph is capable. They rely on him to do stuff. He comes through for them. And uh, they also have an instance, I think this is Batman's first time Second time, actually, meeting Sue. But Batman makes a statement that Sue, he sees her as really cool because whenever she's around, he can't help but think things are okay. And he admires her and Ralph's relationship. That's like the last panel of the comic is Batman complimenting Sue and being and like pointing out how cool Sue is, which I thought was like a really interesting kind of cool bit that he was like, I'm glad that they're together. Which shows just a very a very not Batman, not because Batman can't be friendly, just not a not a observant version of Batman currently thing to point out was to highlight another character like that and to be like, this is a cool thing. I thought that was neat. Just a just a nice a nice note to end on after dealing with Nazis. Uh Detective Comics number 344, October 1965. Sue switches brainwaves with a woman. Oh, God, this one's so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sue switches brainwaves with a woman who is part of a criminal group. And the elongated man has to figure out where the group is, stop them, and arrest the woman who is now believes that she's Sue. We get another arbitrary jealousy moment where... The woman who believes that she has switched brainwaves, or she, who has switched brainwaves with Sue, believes that she is Sue and kisses Ralph. That snaps Sue out of her weird brain switcheroo, and she gets upset. 
they arrest that woman. Mind you, this all takes place in in France for some reason, but uh, it just kind of does. It's an excuse for them to write the elongated man's name in French. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really, a bunch of times, and to show that the French don't... This feels really low-key mean to the French. Because the entire time he's doing, like, daring do, the French think he's a circus act. They are not competent. They're, they're not smart enough to realize that there is a dangerous, dangerous situation happening. They think everything that's going on is a show when there's like people shooting at people and like the elongated man's fighting. It's like, are they not smart enough to realize this is like a serious situation? And I'm like, is this is this is this the writer being shitty about the French? <laughs> they're so dumb they don't understand what's going on. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, but this feels really weird. Also, we get a, we get a note about uh, a limitation for Ralph. Oh yeah, he can only stretch a hundred meters, so he is not able to reach the floor from the top of the Eiffel Tower, and that is just a, a, a point of the plot. So we have, so he has to drink the Gingold to maintain his stretchiness, and he can only stretch up to a hundred meters, and it's. It's actually worth noting that we haven't seen him drink Gingold in a very yeah. long time. Like the closest we get is actually the, actually I think the very next story uh, is a reference to it, but I don't think we even see him drink it at all. Uh, last story, but yes, you're you're absolutely right. That is mm-hmm. going to be a point that I'm going to bring up. Um, but yes, Gingold is really only mentioned one other time. It's the last story that we're covering in 1965. Um, uh, Detective Comics number 345, November 1965. Um, there's a coin that is next to some experimental radiation pill that a guy is developing to reverse the desire to commit crime. And the coin happened to be in a store's cash register, which caused the people who robbed the cash register to come back and give all the money back. And Ralph's nose twitches, because of course he senses a mystery. And discovers that there's a guy who's trying to like experiment with genetically altering or pharmaceutically altering the desire to commit crime. And what he has done has created a radiation that will cause people to want to give back things that they've taken. Okay. (laughs) All right. What if crime was a switch and you could just switch it on or off positive or negative? Yeah. 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 The guy also employs a kleptomaniac to test on, which I find fascinating that I was just like, presumably the kleptomaniac guy has agreed to this because when he does steal things, he apparently brings them to the scientist so that the scientist can then return them and then experiments on the guy after he has stolen something. But I was like, this feels really weirdly like you shouldn't have human trials. It's worth (laughs) noting. I I think the words that they use are for, for me to like, to get insights into your mind i i don't think there's any like i don't think there's any mention of like experiment like uh interfering experiments i think it i got the vibe it was more like hey talk me through this mm-hmm. but that might also just be putting a uh, rosy glasses on it yeah it, it it's not clear yeah it's very ambiguous what's going on here uh the final story detective comics number 346 december 1965 ralph Ralph's latest batch of Gingold is actually impure, but it causes him to also have clairvoyance. 
So he has stretchy powers and the ability to see in the future, which I find fascinating. Um, and he's like, mm, this isn't a good thing to have. Like, he doesn't make the batch of Gingold like that forever now to also have clairvoyance. That feels like a thing to, to not miss when you're a crime fighter. He, but, he did he did say that he didn't want it, though, because he didn't, <laughs> because it would ruin all the mysteries. Right. Ralph Dibney, eternal, eternal, let's play with hard mode on. Um, <laughs> doesn't want to have a, a an upper hand beyond his stretchiness. I did I did find it funny in the last story where uh Sue was like, Well if this guy develops a thing to commit you know, to remove all crime, you're gonna be out of a job. And he's like, No, there's plenty of other mysteries that don't have to do with crime. I love and that. I was like, Good for you, Ralph. <laughs> I'm like, good for you. You're not you're not sold on just being a crime fighter. You just like mysteries. I finally so. finished my PhD. <laughs> yes. Um that is our coverage Plot-wise, for the last uh, two years of Elongated Man from 1964 to 65, um, generally these comics are enjoyable. They're fun. Like we said before, they're a palate cleanser. Um, I really enjoy Sue and Ralph. I think they're a fun couple to observe. I think they are good characters. They definitely have good chemistry, and they are individuals. I think it's funny in the bit where Ralph is like, Sorry, honey, I knew you'd want to come with me if I told you that there was danger, so I didn't tell you what was going on so that we could have the look-alike policewoman. And then the next day, he's like, honey, that's a lovely coat that you have. She's like, I thought so, because I knew that you'd buy it for me, you know, if once you once you apologized to me, so I bought it for myself, you know, with your money. And I was like, eh, okay, you got him back, kind of a thing, or just like, you know oh, I made a decision for you because you knew how I would react. And I was like, that's okay. They're cute. They kind of dig at each other. And he kind of, he didn't go like, how dare you? Or like, you mm -hmm. crazy dame. It was very much, he was like, okay, I deserve that. You know, they, they know the, like was, they it, know the, the, uh, proportional tit for tat. Right. There was no trying to make her out to be bad. There's no. never tr any trying to make her out to be bad, which I really appreciate. There is never any denigration of Sue in any of these comics. Which kind of goes to the point where John Broom writes a lot of these. Yeah, I have down four stories. Uh, all towards yeah, the back there's, half there's, of memory source. There's several that he writes. And knowing that John Broom writes Carol Ferris and occasionally Iris Allen, he does write more complex women than most of the other writers that we see. Or at least more complete character women. They might have similar uh, 60s women sensibilities but they do have more depth to them in terms of like personality. Sue and Carol are different people. Like mm -hmm. they might, they're both strong women, but Sue seems a lot more carefree and Carol is a driven person. Yeah. Carol is decisive and takes things a little personally and is, she has a goal in mind and she goes after it. Whereas Sue is a lot more like, I'm sure it'll work out, baby. It always does. Kind of a thing. You know, like, I'm just along for the ride, but I'm, but the ride is wherever you are kind of a thing. Very much a, a, a cute, I'm happy to just be with my husband regardless of what we're doing. I just want to have a good time with my husband person. And I think that is fun that you can kind of see those differences. I like her as a character. Ralph, I like. I think he's a good dude. He just wants to help people. He's curious. The... the the mission never has to be big. Yeah. It never has to have anything in it for him. He genuinely enjoys solving mysteries and helping people. 
And there's something just nice about a guy who just wants to help folks out or solve the next mystery or complete the next puzzle. And I think that there is, there's a lot to that. And I like that. Agreed. Uh, Both the simplicity and the happiness and general pleasantness of these characters is really nice. You know what's less pleasant, but enjoyably so, is body horror. (laughs) And there's some stuff in here. Like, I should have, like... I should have written down like my favorites of just some of the wild shit in here. Like it's not even just the splash pages, but you'll get there's a shot of Ralph's knuckles extending, like extending out from his out from like the joint to smack people. He's like hitting people with extended knees. There's all manner of just like curly cueing. I want to say there's a point where he. He gets like twisted up and it's just like a pile of rope is what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. It's there's also the bit where he he thins himself out so much he can fit between ceiling tiles. Yes. And that one I was like, whoa. <laughs> didn't didn't think you could do that. <laughs> I I did some thinking about this, and this is the I think a lot of the big thing for me is it's the weird playfulness and both those words are important it is it is weird some of this stuff is just mm-hmm. weird and in, in like a body horror sense and it is playful but it's that the actions are playful and the horror is unexpected uh, i was thinking about I, I drew the plastic man comparison plastic man is a cartoon guy at least in the in the stuff that i've read which granted is a fairly Mm -hmm. limited subset of his stuff and never any of his like solo stuff but he is a cartoon guy exaggerated expressions like his face will stretch into a smile he'll make shapes ralph's powers he is not shape guy he's stretch guy he's elongated man he gets places he's not expected he gets a fist where it's not expected to like reach over and punch somebody or grab something or fit through things he doesn't turn himself into things he doesn't turn himself into a shovel or a stepladder he's just oh i can hook my i i have the hook shot in my arm just around the side uh stuff like that I think that's a very good distinction. Plastic Man turns himself into a car. Ralph elongates himself so that he can take steps that makes him faster. Yeah. Just two different ways of using the exact same power. And to some degree, that's also reflected in the characterizations. Like we've talked about how mellow is not super wrong of a word for Ralph. As compared to, he, he is not an exaggerated cartoon character. He is not like... If he were a sitcom character, he is not out there. He is relatively constrained in terms of a uh, sitcom character. And as compared to someone like Plastic Man, it's, and so it's interesting. It, it is different approach, very different approaches on the exact same power set. He's kind of chill. He's a chill dude. I feel like if, if there were a, an elongated man story going on right now with the same version of the character... I think he'd have something like not quite a fidget toy, but not far from it. Like he might have a worry stone or something. Yeah. Cause he is still, I think you're right. Actually, he's, he, he's not fully buttoned up. He's not a bank manager, but he's, he's kind of in that space. 
oh man, does he do, does he buy all those fucking weird puzzles that you get in like a Sky Mall magazine and he's just constantly fiddling with them while he's thinking? Like just no look doing Rubik's Cubes and weird sort of like dumb puzzles and stuff like that that you do with your hands? Mm. Like Wait, that's more no. his thing? Is like... he, he doesn't because that probably looks visually too much like Reed Richards. That kind of not fully paying attention to you, which which isn't what those are. Uh, there are like mm. fidget toys have there are there's a reason for them, but in the in the visual language, the way that it would normally be interpreted, right. it would yeah, be that yeah. kind of dismissive thing. But huh, maybe he's like him and Sue play board games. Ooh, let them like. Him talking through the facts of a case while they're playing board games, yeah. Yes, that is their thing. He likes the intellectual challenge. It's not that he is he's too smart for it. It's that he likes to challenge his brain. They play lots of Scrabble, lots of Clue, you know, like Catan, stuff yeah. like that. He's a guy who likes to stimulate his brain because it helps him think. And... <laughs> And they invite another, like, another hero couple over one night, and they're just, the other couple's going nuts, like, just take your turn. Stop talking. J- yeah. Just just take your turn. <laughs> it's Ollie and Dinah. Uh, that's exactly where my and brain o- went first. Oh, and Ollie, yeah. and Ollie just kind of leans over, to, he leans over to Dinah, he just goes, this is why we don't go to dinner with them. <laughs> um, but I, I like it. The idea is everything he does is for neuroplasticity. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is not because he needs it. It is because he's trying to keep himself sharp. Someday someone explains to him, yeah, you can listen to podcasts on time two speed. And he's just, this is the best. <laughs> I can do what? Show me. <laughs> show, show you what? Show me how to do that. It's like I, I actually really like the idea that maybe he's not like super tech savvy. Like he he gets yeah. a lot of things, but in terms of oh oh I can do I can do that I I can do that that could be interesting. Man, DC that one's for free. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's just a he's a fun character. I yeah. wish we did more with him. A side note that I am fascinated by. So uh, Gita Jackson, who is formerly of uh, motherboard and Kotaku, uh, it, I believe, is going to be doing a maybe weekly podcast on Fifty Two, and I am mm. very interested to see that kind of retrospective. Oh, Fifty Two, yeah, very serious, Ralph. Speaking of look, <laughs> pre pre show conversation, we talked about how. Uh, we have been we have been better and more conscious about not looking at the these comics from the expectations of the future in terms of mainly at the time we were talking in terms of like serialization is the model of modern comics mm. at least modern superhero comics and that's just not that's not what's going on at this point it's not trying to do that it's not fair to judge it by that perspective but it's also like i think we're also doing a better job of being aware of where the characters are does not imply an inevitability to where they end up. We can't look back at that lens. And Sue and Ralph Dibney are characters that are, to some degree, absolutely defined in the modern consciousness, certainly for myself, of where they end up. 
Yeah, and, they are yeah. weirdly pivotal for the entire for the entirety of the DC universe. Yeah, like there's a good what? How long was it from Identity Crisis through the end of Final Crisis? And that's what almost year a, almost a almost like five to six years where Sue and Ralph Dibney's relationship is incredibly pivotal to the fate of the DC universe. Yep. <laughs> In such a way that is just like, look, one of the most profound crossover events I read was Identity Crisis. Does Identity Crisis fridge, change, and fundamentally deconstruct the Justice League in ways that are arguably really unfair to who characters are yes it's not forgiving in a lot of ways to a lot of characters to sue to the justice league to even batman there's a lot that happens there is it really well written yeah it just happens to be written well at the expense of characters like ray palmer and gene loring ralph and sue dipney and weirdly, at the expense of Dr. Light. So it's... Oof. I have complex feelings about Identity Crisis going back and forth on it now and reading it. And realizing that, like, holy shit. Spoilers for, you know, 40 years of comics, everybody. Sue's death weirdly starts a chain reaction that utterly destroys <laughs> some people's reasons for existing in the DC universe to the point that I don't know how Jordan comes back to life. <laughs> Barry Allen has to kind of like show up and apologize to Ralph. Ralph traps a demon in the tower of fate with himself and Felix Faust because 52 is like, some shit. <laughs> 52 is dark. Yeah. Like and it and it goes a lot of places. Not you know, notwithstanding one of the best question stories of all time. Oh God, yeah. But like, you kind of forget that Ralph has had a shit go of it from the year of two thousand four to twenty twelve. You know, like, yeah. and then we have seen hide nor hair of him since any of the reboots of DC. And I, I genuinely, affectionately believe there is a DC Elseworlds similar to human target comic that deserves to be written. That's oh, just yeah. the elongated man and solving a crime. Just, just one shot volumes of him solving crimes with, yeah. with Sue. And I would, I would buy every one of those. Uh, do we have anything else? No. All right. Uh, time for recommendations then. Um, I recently just watched season one of this show, pretty much practically devoured it. Uh, Kaguya-sama, Love is War. It's on uh, Hulu. It's uh, subbed and dubbed on Hulu, but the full series is on Crunchyroll. It's an anime about high school students, uh, the president of the uh, academic association and the vice president, who have crushes on each other, but oh, treat yeah, their yeah. relationship like warfare. And it is the the, the funniest shit. It's so adorable, so well written, very cute, very interesting. I like a lot of the the gags. Um, there's contention about the two narrators. Like the narrator for the Japanese 
version, the original version, plays everything serious. And that is kind of the joke, where it's like the gravity of the situation of two people trying to figure out which one of them will text the other first is funny. In the American dub, the, <laughs> the narrator treats it like it's ridiculous. <laughs> like these two people are being ridiculous. And I kind of love the levity that the American narrator has because it's like, yeah, these people are being silly. They're teenagers. Of course, of course he's not going to text her. He's too afraid of the last time he texted her. Or, and it's just like, it's kind of silly. And I kind of like the levity of it because every, because it breaks up the seriousness. It's, it's two different ways of doing the same thing. Our fans of the original version don't like the narrator in the, in the English dub. I enjoy it. Regardless. It's a fun show. It's very lighthearted. Go watch it. It's very cute. Um, very well written. There are three seasons, I think. Um, that It actually finishes as a series. Um, but it is also a complete manga, from what I understand, if you're looking to just read it instead. All right. On my end, I'm, I'm going to put these on the table and then walk away because just the new Gundam, Witch from Mercury, finished up. It's good. Go watch it. Uh, I've been listening to a podcast that's uh, folks watching slash rewatching Evangelion and doing lit crit on it. Utterly formative to me as a kid. Very much enjoying that. Put that on the table. Walk away. Uh, I had a very strange anime experience recently. And I'm going to recommend, I'm going to recommend at least the experience that I've had so far because, so it's called Oshinoko. I believe I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, And it is a, (laughs) I mean, it's about the it's about the dark side of the entertainment industry, and specifically, like, hey, at, as an idol, what kinds of in in Japan, like, what are the difficulties there, like, making enough money, how splitting your check as part of an idol group makes it even harder to make a salary, like, all these things, a, a bunch of really interesting things, both in terms of oh, interesting granular details, but also. Oh hey, yeah, this is there's this interesting contrast going on here between the I mean the idolized experience and then the very entitled fans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what's deeply so a like cool, like interesting stuff. The opener and the opening song is an absolute banger. Highly recommended. It's adapted from a manga. My understanding is that they wanted to adapt such that the focus of the show was on what happens like after volume whatever probably uh and so they decided for the first bit we're going to do that bit as a prologue but we want to really cover that and give it the full breadth that it has in the in the manga i'm I'm guessing at this because but the end result is fascinating because nor all the other episodes normal 26 minutes or whatever the prologue is an hour and a half. The prologue is a full, satisfying experience. It has huh. a good, like, get to the center of how this character feels about things. Give them a good arc and resolve that plot line and then time skip 14 years. And, I mean, it, it is a prologue. It sets the things up for the hmm. rest of the series. It It makes sense. But... A prologue that is four times as long as a regular episode is just an absolute bat 
batshit thing to me. And I genuinely, I've watched one episode since then, and I can't decide whether to go back and keep watching because, man, I had a good experience. Like, I feel like I got everything out of this that I went in expecting. Do, do I want to keep going or just be what happy with this What more is there thing? for me? Yeah. yeah. It's That's interesting. Bizarre. And I, I enjoyed it. Like, go watch it. Listen to the remixes and covers of that uh, uh, of the song. Uh, it's idle, so I mean, you should you should just look up Oshinoko opening, etc. But <laughs> all right, definitely will. Uh, on the on the topic of anime, we we're also suggesting other channels. Uh, Mother's Basement is really good. Hmm. Um, it's a person who just does a lot of anime retrospectives and like deep dives into anime. Um, a thing that I have discovered that my partner sh- uh, introduced me to the a running joke in this person in his videos, <laughs> for, especially for isekais, is a person like getting hit by a truck, and you know being transported into another world and referring to the truck as truck coon, <laughs> and I was going like truck coon, what are you doing here? And then suddenly the per- the character gets hit by. <laughs> I love that isekai is a verb now, and it's just get yeah, isekai. <laughs> And so every now and then when it, when a truck does something stupid in real life, I go, truck coon, what are you doing? And it just reminds me of, of Mother's Basement talking about isekais. Um, but yes, uh, lots of anime recommendations to go with your American comics. Uh, come for the elongated man coverage, stay for the weeb shit. That's what I say. Um, Fair. All right. Uh, that is going to be the end of our elongated man coverage for now, for the years of 1964 to the 1966. Flash is next, and I'm excited because we got yeah. some more Flash stuff to do, and I like going to Flash because fun comics. Because um, after that is Green Lantern, and that's always exciting. We like doing them back to back. Then we get Hawks. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. Um, especially now that I have uh, some Task Force X and Suicide Squad that we can read, we can roll yeah. those in as well. So lots more to read. I think also we get to cover Metamorpho now. Like Metamorpho showing up in like I've, 60 I've seen ads for him, yeah. Five or something like that. So I think we get to read some Metamorpho, which will be really fun too. We're just getting a new uh, person to throw in there because everybody likes Metamorpho. Uh, and we get to talk about my obsession with characters that are specifically element based, like Metamorpho and Firestorm and uh, all sorts and Multiple Man <laughs> and why there are so many characters that can turn into elements. Um, All right, that is going to do it for this episode. We hope to see you next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As we wrapped up our outing with the ductile detective and his wife, we were struck by how refreshing their adventures were for us. Despite the strange tiffs that were more out of place than anything else, we were reinvigorated for our next destination. Central City.